This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. You're listening to Radiant Reflections. This is episode number nine. And in today's podcast, Pastor Ryan Bibb and Josh Harama discuss wins and losses in our spiritual life and how using worship can be a perfect method to push through those times of loss. Now, here's Pastor Ryan and Pastor Josh. Well, hey, welcome to another episode of Radiant Reflections, a podcast of Radiant Life Church. My name is Josh Harama here once again with Pastor Ryan Bibb for episode nine in our Radiant Reflections, uh, doing a deeper dive into the message from this past Sunday. Today, when we shoot this, it is a Monday morning, so we're talking about yesterday's message, which for us was Into the Unknown, episode three. And Ryan brought that message, so we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a dive into that. But first, how are you doing this morning, Ryan? Uh, I was just telling you before we went live that I'm I'm not fully awake yet. I've had two cups of coffee though, but I, it hasn't kicked in yet, so we'll see. See, I have my I have my sparkling V8. This is that's the stuff right there. But according to the label, it's only 35% juice. So I'm really curious what the but other it, it counts, 65% it is. It counts as uh, a combined serving of veggies and fruit. Oh, okay. So this is like a salad in a can. That's disgusting. <laughs> it kind of is, actually, when, when you say it like that. Uh, <laughs> also, that's a pretty uh, wild shirt you got on there. Yes. Uh, so we always say we, we don't have sponsors for this uh, <laughs> podcast. However... The unofficial sponsor of this podcast will be Marshall's, where I got this down in Mishawaka, the Marshall's store there. Marshall's, now is, I can't ever keep them all straight. Is Marshall's the one where they sell it like, it's like super cheap? Yeah, it's like a, like a TJ Maxx, you know, store. Okay. Yeah, they're all like very similar. But okay. yep. There you go. Like it was $10, $12, oh. something yeah, that's it was not cheap. bad. It's not bad for a shirt. No. You pay more than that for I like the more wild shirts, the, the better. So I found this. I liked it. It's like your crazy personality coming out, like yeah. in shirt form. Yes, because I don't really have a crazy personality, so it comes across this way. You live vicariously through your shirts. Yes. <laughs> and I liked it. This is the first time I've worn it. Nice. So I'm sure on the video it looks great, though. Oh, all right. For those that only listen, have no idea what we're That's talking right. about. So if you're listening, you're like, what in the world are they talking about? You'll have to go to YouTube and, and check this out. Uh, if you're listening to it, you'll probably be able to listen to it before you can watch it. Towards the end of the week, we'll have this up on YouTube, and you can see what we're talking about with this shirt. All of a sudden, but, our YouTube views are going to skyrocket. <laughs> Everyone's like, what is shirt? this shirt that Ryan is wearing? What What is going on? Don't get too or, like hyped up over it, though, because it could be pretty disappointing when you go to YouTube, and you're like, oh, really? That was it? That's like on Facebook. Have you seen those, like, in a world of daddy sharks, be a daddy corn, and it's like this ripped unicorn? I totally, uh, want, I totally, no. I totally want that T-shirt. I have not seen um, that shirt. <laughs> Oh boy. They're, they're all going to log in expecting you to be wearing something like that. Oh, yeah. And then like, oh, this, this is just like a, a beehive looking. It's kind of a beehive. Anyways, sorry. There you go. We've, so uh, this episode, we're talking about clothing. That's right. Also, I wonder, though, if, if everyone's going to be like booking it down to Marshall's to buy $10 shirts. I, I will say, we, obviously, here in Michigan, we're still under a stay-home order and still, you know, minimal shopping's happening. And so that's why we had to go to Mishawaka and get this shirt down there. And we waited in line for over 45 minutes to check out Holy because Moses, it was just a long time in line. Yes, it was massive. And I did see several Sturgis people there, actually, which was fun. But there you go. Yeah. There you go. So, hey, uh, yesterday you wrapped up this series for us, Into the Unknown. 
And throughout this series, you used narratives in the Gospels about water and boats. Uh, First of all, why do you think Holy Spirit thought it was important that we have access to multiple accounts with boats and water? Was there anything symbolic about water in the first century that would that plays into these narratives? Or is it just, hey, they live by the water, so they went on the water? Well, it, it, several things. Number one, 80% of Jesus' ministry happened around the Sea of Galilee. So you've got this huge body of water right there that's seven miles east to west, four, 13, 14 miles north to south. It's fresh water. We call it a sea, but it's, it's just a massive lake. That's what it is. It's fresh fresh water. So if 80% of Jesus' ministry is happening all around the Sea of Galilee, um, how can you not write about also the water there? Um, You also have another aspect where a lot of Jesus' disciples were fishermen. We know several of them were, and so they're used to being on that water right there fishing. And uh, you also have an interesting aspect of Jesus uses the water as like an amphitheater when the crowds are getting massive, right? Jesus a couple times gets in a boat and shoves himself a little bit off ashore. So he can use the water as like an amphitheater for his teachings. Like, so there's the natural convenience of the water there. But first century world thought and process is the water represented something. And uh, for many of you, you may be scared of water and rightfully so. Uh, I'm not scared of water. I'm scared of like the depth of water, like not knowing what is way down there freaks me out a little bit. Like if you drop me off in the middle of the ocean, I'd be a little nervous. Not because there's sharks, just a little nervous, but uh, I don't know. You'd be like doing better than me if you were just a little nervous. <laughs> like this thing is miles deep and I'm sitting here not knowing how deep it is, which was a little unnerving for me. And on top of that, I don't know what is swimming down there. What massive, like, giant squid is below me. Or even a giant, it could be a whale shark for all, like, a docile creature. But it would freak me out knowing it's underneath me. Um, but, side note, that's just me. But for them, in, in the first century world, uh, the abyss, that's what water was. It was the abyss. It was almost like... Um, the underworld, it was scary. It was the darkness. It was the abyss for them. And so multiple times you have the story of, of Jesus and the disciples. They're on the water, but it represents like the chaos and the abyss. And that's what they believe the water was. It's, it's the abyss is down there. The chaos is down there. And so I think we have that. We have that symbolism in Scripture, in the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John there. And so I think there's reason why Jesus has these stories or the writers have these stories in the Gospels because we're, even though we're not Jewish, we have to understand their thought process. And here they are on the waters, on the abyss, on the chaos. So there's a lot of just, a lot of symbolism there. Yeah, yeah. And so last week I actually started reading the book Evil and the Justice of God by N.T. Wright. And he talks about how this is a theme not just in the Gospels but woven throughout. Uh, he looks back at, uh, you know, the account of the flood. And you have this idea of, like, all of this water. I mean, just, like, chaos and the evil. Uh, he, so he looks at the flood. He talks about 
um, when the Israelites escaped slavery in Egypt yeah. and how God demonstrates his power over the sea. You know, he yeah. splits the sea. He, he, he puts order into the chaos so that his people can experience yeah. freedom. I mean, all of these different things woven throughout Scripture. So, yeah. Which, by the way, the flood, um, I love that people think it's such a child story, right? Like, you see nurseries painted with, like, <laughs> Noah's Ark. Like, it is not a child story. Like, let's really think about the flood. Um, people died. So, yeah, <laughs> like, the, they drowned. The, th- the thing missing from all of the nursery paintings is, like, all of the dead bodies yes, like, floating like, in the water. They should be floating yeah. there, right? Right? <laughs> like, there's Noah's Ark. Great. The animals all look happy. But there should be bodies and people screaming because they're drowning. Uh, we miss that aspect. But it's just always funny that we try to, we try to pick, you know, what is a kid's... Um, story and we can paint a nursery or whatever that and in reality uh, I've always said this you turn the bible into a movie like cover to cover this thing is rated maybe x some parts of it for like sure. ex- yes it's extremely um yeah it's just I man, I love God's word I love the bible I love the way it's just funny that we pick certain things and make them kids story and realize <laughs> man there's a lot of ugliness in this kid's story that we're not Telling people, I used to be a kid's pastor and I always loved David and Goliath. And I always reminded the kids because most of the time we just stop with David in the slingshot killing Goliath. Yay, right? Like that's a W. Yay. <laughs> Don't and stop then, there. <laughs> um, I always tell the kids, well, they grab the sword and David cuts Goliath's head off. And I remember the first time I taught kids that, dude, their eyes were like saucers. <laughs> like, what? And I'm like, yeah, like that's the story. And I love it. I always give kids that just another avenue that they didn't realize. And like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was wrong. Who knows? It's probably why I'm not a kid's pastor anymore. No, that's all right. Because, I mean, we try to tame. And, yeah, sure, you want to make things, like, sort of on a level the kids get. You don't want to be, oh, like, yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. want to be giving them nightmares. However, <laughs> like, the, the Bible isn't full of, like, a bunch of tame narratives of, of people, like, bringing gift baskets to yeah. <laughs> right, other people. Right. Yeah. No, there's, so some, there's some pretty uh, pretty heavy stuff in there. Yeah. But. but the water, it's the abyss, it's it's disorder, it's chaos. It's also why when uh, you have Jesus healing the demoniac in the, in the uh, cemetery and they uh, the demons go into the pigs and you, all of a sudden you see the pigs, they're running down the cliff into the water, which would have made perfect sense for the disciples, for the Jewish audience there because it would make sense. The demons would be running into the water to the abyss, into the chaos. That would make sense. For us, in our English world view, we look at it and we're like, what are pigs doing running into water? This makes no sense. But for the Jewish perspective, totally would have made sense. The chaos, the abyss that water represents. And now, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I, if I remember this narrative slightly incorrectly, but it also demonstrates Jesus' absolute power over the demons because they beg him not to send them into the abyss. Yes. And, and then he's like, psh. Okay. <laughs> into the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also interesting. Side note, Jesus tells them to leave in his first commandment. They actually don't. They don't go. They still are in the, the legion, is still within the man, the demonized guy that's cutting himself at night in the tombs. And Jesus has to talk again, which is just, that's a whole nother subject. It's interesting I don't know how many of us, we just read that story and we blow through, but the demons did not listen at first, which is interesting. But, yep, another podcast for another time. Okay, sounds good. But, so in this most recent teaching, you know, in the, in, in the Unknown, episode three, you talked about winning and losing. 
Right, and even just a minute ago, you talked about how that, you know, that's a big W, you know, David and Goliath. Uh, but you also looked at uh, you kind of viewing biblical narratives through this lens. But do you think, in general, is it healthy to view our lives through that lens? Should we, should we kind of tally all of our wins and losses and, and kind of assess our, our life? It's probably way? not mentally healthy for us <laughs> to do this, but we do it. I can't help. I played sports my entire life. Um, I love sports. I, I love Jesus more than sports, but I love sports. I love watching it. I love playing them. I love coaching them. Um, it's just the way that you kind of grow up, and it's the framework that your mind looks, um, looks at things, and we do. We superimpose that on Scripture. In the end, it's probably not healthy, obviously, that we do that, but um, it is so just innate, especially within myself, that that's the way I definitely view it, and I'm sure many other people view the wins and losses in life in general. We say that. Uh, we superimpose it on Scripture. And um, in the end, yeah, it's probably not mentally the healthiest thing that we do, but we do it. Okay. It's so, the flesh side. So, so maybe don't just take that and, and decide, oh, well, I'm just going to tally all my wins and losses in life. <laughs> I would, I would have yeah, a lot. Yeah, you could totally more. skew it, too. Be like, dude, I'm such a winner. Like, look okay. at all my tallies. And See, and yeah. I wonder, too, then, then you get the personality, though, because if you've got the pessimists, right? So if you're out there and you're listening, you're a pessimist, maybe everything would be a loss to you, and that would just be depressing. See, that's <laughs> why I said mentally it's not healthy. It is not healthy that we do this. The optimist would be like, uh, have you ever seen that movie Rat Race? This was years ago. Yes. I'm, I don't know so that I recommend it. All, I'm trying I, to remember yeah. It's been so many this years ago that I don't remember the inappropriateness that maybe. But in there's, this movie. I think there was some. So we're not saying watch that movie. However, there's a there's a character in that movie played by uh, Rowan Atkinson, and he's a uh, <laughs> uh, narcoleptic, right? Like the, the guy, they just fall asleep randomly, right? And, and he's running because they're they're doing this race, and and Rowan Atkinson for him, he's all like, I'm winning, I'm winning, <laughs> and then he <laughs> falls what, asleep, and then he falls asleep. <laughs> That's what comes to mind when I think about the optimists. The optimists are just going to, they're, they're winning. Well, the and, and the scary thing mentally, the, the flip side of the op- optimist, you're always winning. Uh, you can let pride sneak in mm. and pride goes before the fall. That's good. And so, good. yeah, mentally, probably not the healthiest. So in this narrative that you used out of the book of Matthew, right, where, where Jesus walks on the water, um, you, you said people might consider this kind of a loss, uh, first, why would they consider it a loss? But then you flipped it yeah. to say, well, no, this is actually a win. So why would people consider it a loss? And then why do you think it's actually a, a win? Sure. Well, the loss is, right? I mean, you, you sit and look, and, and finally, like Peter's walking on water, which, first of all, you're in the middle of a storm. It takes courage to actually get out of the boat. Even though the boat was being tossed by the waves, it's more comfortable and safety in the boat than getting out and trying to walk on the water. So at first you look at the narrative and you're like, okay, it's, it's a win. Like Peter's actually walking on water. Like how awesome is that, right? Um, but then he starts to sink and you, and, you, and you sit there. And again, a lot of pastors and a lot of, a lot of people just focus on that. You took, hey, Peter, you took your eyes off of Jesus. Uh, you looked at everything that's happening, which is true, he did. Um, and he sunk and you're sitting there going, that's probably a big L. He gets back in the boat. We don't know. It, would Peter be embarrassed because he was sinking? You know, were the disciples like, oh my gosh, Peter, it's so awesome. You're walking on the water. And now they're like, ha you're sinking. Like, ah, loser. Um, I don't know. Did he get back in the boat, feel embarrassed? So I, th- I think you, you, you can tend to just look at that narrative with the big L because he was sinking. 
I mean, here's, he's on like, if you will, cloud nine, right? Like you're walking on top of these waves, on top of the storm. Now you're sinking, which can feel like a loss. I was on the top of the mountain. Now I'm in the valley. Um, but on the flip side, when Jesus gets back or um, when Peter's back in the boat with the disciples, uh, I, I view it as, as just a complete win because they realize really in that moment who Jesus is and how Jesus met them right there in the storm right there on the boat, in the middle of everything. And they're like, wow, truly, wow, we know, we know who you are. And they just started worshiping. And knowing Jesus in the ups and downs of life, you get a fresh perspective of who he is and how incredible our Savior, Jesus Christ, is. That's a W. In the end, sure, for a moment, if you want to keep the lens of wins and losses, for a moment, Maybe Peter did lose when he's sinking. But in the end, it's the biggest W he could have walked away with was just being in that boat with Jesus and worshiping him. So this, and, and for those of you that are listening or watching, uh, there's, a, there's a, a churchy word here that comes to mind, and that word is redeemed, right? Um, would you say, Ryan, that it's, that it's accurate that Jesus can take anything that we consider a loss— an L, and turn it into a, a win, or you know, I mean, because we talk, you know, in church we talk about this idea that like God can redeem everything, right? Like you could yeah. have a, a broken past, you could have all kinds of hurt and brokenness, but but in Jesus that can be redeemed. Redeemed is a financial term; it actually it means to buy back. You know that yep. He can take that something that is is terrible and actually and utilize it for something good. Do you do you think that's kind of a an accurate blanket? Oh statement? man, I, the entire if you summed up the entire biblical narrative from Genesis to Revelation, you get one word. It's redemption. I'll give you another word if you don't like the word redemption. Uh, restoration. It's redeeming and restoring everything that's been broken. And so, yes, anything that we deem as a L in law in life, right? Uh, what are those examples? Maybe addiction. Uh, gambling, drugs, alcohol, uh, sex, promiscuous, prom- whatever that word Promiscuity? is. There you go. Thank <laughs> you. You know, gossip, slander, you name it, um, financial trouble, whatever it is, marriage trouble, relationship trouble, whatever it is that we deem as a loss, absolutely, Jesus Christ can redeem it, can restore it, can give you the W in the end, if you will. And if we say he can't, then we are limiting God's power in our lives and over things in this world. And Jesus defeated death, conquered sin and death, defeated the devil. It's done. There is victory in the name of Jesus. And we have to live into that and understand it. The problem is our world doesn't tell you that. The world tells you, well, you'll always be an addict. And no, you won't. In Jesus' name, you are, you're redeemed. You are bought back. You're restored. Second Corinthians 5.17, the old, the old is gone, the new is here. Your old self is gone, the new is here. Jesus can put that W in your life or what you deem as a big L in your life. Jesus can turn it around, redeem it, restore it for a big W. So let's get, let's get practical. Let's get like, I mean, realistically, for somebody who's listening right now and, and they're like, man, I, I, this aspect of my life right now is a big L. Maybe it is an addiction. Maybe it's... Uh, they've got mental uh, health issues. Maybe they're they're in the middle of a broken relationship. 
for the person that's in the middle of something right now, that is, it's big L. Like they're like, this is 100% loss. How realistically, how do they view that through a win lens? How, how in the world can that person kind of shift their mindset to where they can start to see this as something that has at least potential uh, to be redeemed or to be restored or what does that look like? So I may jump and answer some of other questions that are coming up with it because I think this is what the answer is. I think the answer is worship. You have to get off of yourself. When we're experiencing big L, what do we always think about? Me. Poor me. And it's so inward focused and self-focused during a big season of what feels like a big L. We turn inward. It's self-pity. We have to get out of that mode and literally live like Jesus. What did he do? He's serving others. We have to turn the inward focus outward. Start serving others. Look for gratitude in small places. Where did Jesus show up today? He showed up somewhere. Even though my life may be feeling like a big L, he showed up somewhere. Start small. Here's the first thing. Ready? I have breath today. I took a warm shower today. Because I go to Africa with you, Josh. I get cold showers <laughs> that, you pour, not, that, you that pour, I pour out of a bucket. Pour out of a bucket. <laughs> I have clothes today. I woke up to a wife and three kids today. That's me, personal. Um, I have a car that can take me from point A to point B. Start small with gratitude. The small thankfulness. I, I, I really believe, and I'm, I'm getting more on this bandwagon. I think you gotta, you got to say three things every day that you're thankful for, that you have for today. Which I think one of our, one of our coworkers here, I think they, she has that, right? She sets an alarm like every day. For like one thirty in the afternoon, and like has to say like three things she's three things, for. which I, I, I <laughs> I'm I'm stumbling over the verse. Oh, um, maybe it was today or yesterday in the U version, uh, the verse of the day um, about prayer. But it's um, the idea of never ceasing, continue to pray, but it's always with thanksgiving. Was it First uh, uh, Thessalonians five seventeen? Yeah, that, maybe is that, that one, one of them. I'm like, um, now I want to look it up. But the idea <laughs> of that idea all throughout Scripture, you see, uh, Paul's talking about when Paul writes and he's talking about prayer. He always adds with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Don't lose sight of gratitude. Don't lose sight of thanksgiving. God's still working. God's still moving. And thanksgiving can take the focus of self. A big loss. This feels like a big loss. It can take it off of self and look at others and say, you know what, God, you're good. Thank you in this moment. But also, when you enter every day in worship, you're reminding how small, you're reminding your problems that seem big in the moment, the seems like this season of loss. You're reminding those moments of how big your God actually is and what seems big as a big L right now begins to be very small in the sight of God. And so it's worship. I'll be honest, as pastors, come on now, we, we come in on Sunday morning sometimes. I mean, right now it's a little different because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, but there are times where I don't, I don't want to worship. I have come on Sunday morning like, 
all right, God, I, geez, you need to show up because I'm mentally, emotionally, I'm not there. And then God shows up and he breaks me. And it, it, those are the moments where I feel like when God's going to do something awesome, that's what happens. I come on Sunday morning, I'm excited to teach or whatever, but I'm like, God, I'm just not in the mood or whatever. And God shows up in an awesome way, but worship changes everything. It changes everything. It gets the focus back on God where it needs to be and off of self. And now I do want to say, you know, because we talk about how, how Jesus can redeem all things, how he can turn every loss into a win. What we are not saying is that, that you're, he's going to take your broken relationship and that that broken relationship is going to become whole again because if you follow Jesus. Uh, that if you have a depression or anxiety that, hey, you're magically going to not have that anymore. Right. right. I, mean, I mean, is that... No. Is that oh, accurate? Yeah. yeah. And um, this is a side note, and I feel like I, I just have to say it. For those that are in relationships, um, for those that are in dating relationships, never settle. If, they're, if, if your boyfriend or girlfriend is not on fire for Jesus, do not settle in that relationship. Don't settle. <laughs> have my permission to get out of that relationship. I, I feel that we settle too much. Maybe this is a whole nother dating and marriage <laughs> podcast. I just really felt like for those that may be listening or watching that are dating and they've said, don't settle. Find someone that is in passionately in love with Jesus. Find that person. Don't settle. Yeah, and don't and don't missionary date. So I work with one of the things I do is I work with students <laughs> here at Radiant Life. Uh, and I tell them all the time, like, missionary dating does not work. Don't be like, well, hey, right now they're not really on fire, but I think, like, over time, like, if I keep going with them, like, then they'll really fall in love with Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Probably not. I like that. Uh, I like that word, though, missionary date. Yeah. Uh, don't date someone in thinking you're the missionary that will, which, don't, I mean, yeah. So maybe maybe we should start to offer as a as a pastoral service, we should write, like, pastoral notes of breakup <laughs> you, know, you know you get like a, up with you, you get no you get a note from your doctor like to to get off of work oh, like we yeah. could write people notes to be like hey i need to i need to dump this guy because he's like a <laughs> yeah just date we're, please we're date someone on. that's on fire for jesus like please date someone that's on fire for jesus don't settle don't settle <laughs> that's good which uh by the way i did i looked it up uh First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, and this is the English Standard Version. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. A lot of us, right, we wonder, what in the world is God's will for me? Well, this tells us fairly clearly what part of his will for us is. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. There you go. I'm guessing that's the one that you were, uh, yes. that you were referring to. Give, yeah. uh, I mean, key, give thanks when in all circumstances. In all circumstances, give thanks. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So one of the things, though, which let's we'll, we'll piggyback on that a little bit, right? Because you mentioned one of the, one aspect of worship is recognizing the goodness of God. But how do we live into the tension of being in a season that doesn't seem at all good, but hold to the idea that God is still good? You know, like hey, if God is if God is good, why does my life suck right now? Right? Like how do we? How do we bridge that gap, or how do we live into that that tension? Yeah, there's a great tension there, and sometimes it breaks us. Um, 
I always want to live into tension because I think Jesus lived into tension, but allow the tension to bend you, not break you. And um, in the moment of it is we can't base God's goodness on circumstances. Circumstances in life are like waves. They come crashing in and then they recede and they come crashing in again and they recede. And so we cannot base God's goodness on circumstances because we live in a broken, sinful world. Like, we have to understand that. That is why there's the quote that says, well, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? Sin. We live in a broken world. That's why. Um, but you can't base the goodness of God on, on the circumstances, on what we're facing in life. What you base the goodness of God on is his word and his faithfulness. And here's the issue. Why do we live in that tension? Why do we struggle? To be honest, I'm just going to be super frank here. We, as believers, don't know God's word. We are biblically illiterate. We don't know it. So why do we allow the waves to come crashing in circumstances and then blame God? You're not good. We don't know what his word says. And I know that may feel like a bomb for many, but we are biblically illiterate. So unpack that though a little bit, you know, for those listening that are like, what does that mean? Like, I know, I mean, illiterate means you can't read, right? But I mean, like they're saying, well, no, I, I can read. And I, I, maybe they even would say, Hey, I, I spend time. I, I read my Bible, you know, what do, so what do you, what do you, what all do you mean when you say biblically illiterate? Well, I, uh, there are some that let, let's start on the, the easy end. Uh, there are some that literally don't get into God's they word. They don't read. They don't. They read don't it. read it. That's the illiterate. You, we. There are some of us who who follow Jesus, but we do not get into His word. We don't read it at all. Um, you're saved. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, but that's it. Like we'll go to back to that analogy. They're um, they got their toes just a little wet in the water. They're saved. They're going to heaven if they're dying. But John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I've came to give life and life to the full. They're not living into that. But they're saved if they got hit, Lord forbid, if they got hit by a bus. They're saved, they're going to heaven. They're just not experiencing the kingdom, God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. They're not experiencing, we can experience that now. Before we die and get to heaven, we can experience that now. I want to have it. I, wanna, I want the whole life Jesus died and paid for. So there are those that just literally, we, we're not in God's word. There's, we don't, um, another biblical illiterate, what I mean is we don't know God's promises. We don't know his character fully of who he is. Um, and so those are some just brief examples, what I mean by biblically illiterate. I think uh, one last example would be a biblical worldview. We don't have a biblical worldview. Uh, we allow culture to dictate our worldview, the lenses that we put on and the way we look at the world instead of the lenses of the Bible. Um, creation, fall, redemption, uh, we have to have a biblical worldview, but we don't even know what a biblical worldview is. We don't even know what we believe. Uh, a basis of belief is just the idea that Jesus is the Son of God, paid my sins and the death penalty on a cross, three days later, conquered sin and death, rose again, and I can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's like the basis foundation of probably what most Christians just believe, but we don't understand um, basic theology, all right? And we don't have a whole podcast to talk about theology here, but basic <laughs> understanding of God is, is three in one. It, it, there's a trinity here. Do you understand the works of the Holy Spirit in your life? Wait, holy who? 
Like I, I hear Holy Ghost, right? Like the Holy Ghost <laughs> sounds scary. Uh, yeah, and and we neglect Holy Spirit, but Jesus tells his disciples, right? Hey, I have to leave you. Someone greater is coming. You're going to do greater works than what I did because the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. I got to go back to the Father, and that's what lives in us. The presence of God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. We don't even know that. Uh, many of us don't. We don't understand that we're giving gifts or spiritual gifts. We, that's what I mean by, you know, we, we just get to the point where we're good. We, we've got the fireproof insurance. That's salvation. I just, as long as I'm not going to hell for eternity, I'm good. But there's so much more in life than just that. That's what I mean by biblically illiterate. We yeah. just don't Which, understand all the components of our faith. So then there's also the danger of if, if you don't really know what's in there, what's in scripture, what God says, it's really easy to be led off track. Like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a book I read a while ago, and it's like, um, God helps those who help themselves in other things that the Bible doesn't actually say, right? And, may, and maybe you've used, the, oh, yeah, well, da, 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 that's in the Bible. No, it isn't, right? Like, you know, yeah, we, we, did, we did a, a series, series last that. August of uh, <laughs> things Jesus never said. That's right. And uh, I remember having several conversations with people like, I always thought that's what he said. I was like, where is it in scripture, <laughs> right? And then we looked and unpacked, like, I think we unpacked like three yeah. misnomers of Jesus actually never said that. We twisted the, we twisted what he said, this and that, and which you, you might be able to still access if you go to our our archives, uh, radiantlife.church slash media. I, you might still be able to find that series. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, that would be something you can catch up on. Well, uh, hey, anything else you want to say about worship or anything like that before we close out this Yeah, episode? just real quick. Worship does not just mean singing. I, we need to clarify that. We've, we've done, uh, I think, injustice to people as far as uh, the church in general across America, across this globe, uh, when we say worship, we think song, we think singing. Excuse me. We've created roles within the church to say they're worship pastor, this or that, and they're the ones leading in song. And so we automatically assume worship is more than just singing. I can't sing worth anything, and nor does anyone want to hear me sing. <laughs> Unfortunately, you staff have to hear me sing sometimes. I love getting in that falsetto voice, but uh, it's not just singing it's a lifestyle honoring god and what we do and just be reminded of his goodness get into his word every day uh yeah throw that worship music on the songs uh worship that way worship through getting out in creation and just enjoying look at creation look out there and see god's fingerprint all over creation and get out there and just enjoy being in the presence of god each and every day yeah yeah all right. Well, hey, thank you guys for joining us for episode nine of Radiant Reflections podcast of Radiant Life Church. Uh, again, if you enjoyed this, if this was a blessing to you, uh, I would encourage you to like, like this, share it, give us a review, rate it on whatever podcast platform you are on or on YouTube. Uh, we just appreciate you spending some time with us today, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. 
Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.